Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. start off, for those who don't know, we start off every Sunday morning uh, reading the scriptures, uh, specifically from the lectionary, which is what churches all around the world, um, what, oh, uh, churches all around the world uh, to be able to kind of unite us all together. Um, and so that's what we're going to do to kick this thing off. And so today, it's awesome that we have a TV here, by the way. Yes. Um, yes praise him. Um, don't tell him. So it's from Psalm 80, 1 through 7. So it says, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. Make us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. And so, even just like the scriptures that we've read week after week, kind of leading up to this point, is all just showing a different like characteristic of who God is. And But it's all coming from the same heart of like, come and save us, enter in, you know, the, it's come in the struggle, and, and it's again, it's just the human nature of, of every single person you know that's ever walked this earth is just the desire and need for a savior. But even something that God's just been showing me like over and over is that you know we focus on Emmanuel, right? It's it's God with us. You know that's what we celebrate in Advent. But I've been I've been kind of thinking on that a little bit more, and like God's been pointing it back to just this incarnation of God coming is bringing it back to even the days of Moses to where it was God saying that I am. And so it's it's the great I am. It's I am everything that you need. I am your savior. I am the light, even what it just said in verse 7. I am the light that came, like in the darkness. And so, I don't know, just what I'm sensing even in church today, just what we are like want to bring even into worship is just this I don't know. I don't know if you guys can feel it. It's just this anticipation. It's just like childlike spirit of being able to worship, being able to praise, but being able to celebrate God. And so, I don't know, it just feels very childlike. It feels like we're coming back to that, like Advent is almost coming back to that simple place of we're all just children of God, and that should be just celebrated in itself. So I'm just going to pray into that. So Lord, we just thank you so much. God, that we don't have to just have this sense uh, or this false sense of maturing or growing out of this childlikeness, God, but again, that you've given us joy, everlasting joy. God, I feel like just so, just so many times we're just in a rush to be able to get to the next thing, and it is such a season of busyness, but God, what, what Advent is, is a slowing down to just be able to fix our eyes on you and just be consumed by you, God. So, Lord, even in worship today, Lord, I just ask that your just presence come. You're fully invited here. 
Lord, let us just be able to feel every emotion of just celebrating you and what it mean, what it meant for your light to come. So God, I just ask for just a joy, no matter where we're at, where, what season of life that we're in, God, that your just presence just overwhelms us today by how good you are. And we just celebrate you. We celebrate salvation. Yeah, God, we just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to make a joyful transition. transition to our our final Advent liturgy, which is a little bit different because we're also going to do communion along with it. And um, I love doing Advent and communion at the same time because it's the perfect picture of the now and not yet. We wait for Christ to come, right? Christ has come. Christ is coming. Christ will come again. So I'm going to lead you in our Advent liturgy. So I'm going to read from Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. You guys say that with me. My soul magnifies the Lord. Amen. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So today, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we are lighting four candles. So we've got one in hope. We've got second in love, the pink candle for joy. And on this fourth Sunday, candle for peace. So as we light these candles, we remember the promises of God with prayer and thanksgiving. We watch and wait for Christ's coming. We remember how the people of God longed for the coming of the Messiah. And we too look forward in hope to the day when Jesus will return. If you guys will pray with me by reading on the screen. O God of Elizabeth and Mary, you visited your servants with news of the world's redemption in the coming of the Savior. Make our hearts leap with joy and fill our mouths with songs of praise that we may announce glad tidings of peace and welcome the Christ in our midst. Amen. Okay, we're going to move to prayers of the people be various times as I walk through this when I say come Lord Jesus I want you to respond with hear our prayer in the hushed anticipation of your coming O Lord remind us that you are always with us that like Joseph we might always be eager to fulfill your will and be eager to pray O God in days to come the mountain of your house will be established and your joy shall reign. We pray for the church, especially our staff and wise counsel, and all who lead and volunteer here at River City, that you might teach us your ways and that we might walk in your paths. Come, Lord Jesus. Out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and you, O God, shall judge between the nations. We pray for our nation 
and all nations, that your peace would be manifest in every corner of the earth. Come, Lord Jesus. In your kingdom, O Lord, wolves lie down with lambs, and children play with serpents without fear. We pray for the sick, the suffering, and those in distress of any kind, that you would heal all injuries, comfort all grief, and settle all wrongs. If you or someone you love is sick, suffering, or in distress, call out their name. Come, Lord Jesus. In your kingdom, O Lord, even the wilderness and dry land are glad and rejoice. We pray for those who rejoice this week as they celebrate, that they might obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing might flee away. If you have something to celebrate today, share it out loud so we can celebrate with you. Come, Lord Jesus. In the fullness of time, O God, you sent your Son to be born of our sister Mary, and his name was Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for your presence with us, and we pray that you might be always present with those whom we love but see no longer. If there's someone in from your life that you would like to remember, call out their name so we can remember them with you. Come, Lord Jesus. O Christ, hear our prayers, restore us, and show us the glorious light of your countenance that we might be saved. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, so we've been in Advent. This is the last one. We're getting into Christmas Eve, and then we have New Year's, and then we have another year, right? Um, we've been trying to invite you guys into not kind of biting the apple of what our culture wants you to do with this time, which is build towards Tuesday, and then everybody's kind of down until New Year's Eve, and then you do something probably half of you regret, and then you have a new year to start, and then you start with all kinds of resolutions. This is the beginning of a good thing, Tuesday morning. It's the beginning. It's not the end. We didn't work our way to December, get to this, and then make our way through. I know for me, January is one of my favorite months. For Sarah, it's one of her least favorite months. It does a lot of different things to us. But if we can be invited into what's been happening with Advent, we can see the realities around us differently. We can respond differently. We can go at a different pace. We don't have to do all the things our culture is telling us to do. We don't. Your kids don't have to have all the things you think they have to have. You don't have to have it all. You don't have to work on getting everything correct January 1st, right? Get thin, get healthy, get a new job. Get tan. Some of you in January doesn't even—it's not even—doesn't even look correct. Um, just throwing that out there. When somebody sees a tan person in January, like where you—you've you, been in Hawaii, right? Like Caitlin Tompkins, she just showed up tan. She just got back from Hawaii, YWAM, right? Which is a missional experience that you would want to do probably in Hawaii. Today we're going to finish up with Advent, and this content surprised me and made me want more of Jesus than I've had studying for any passage I've preached, maybe up until this point at this church. So it'll probably flop. Just want, because of that, this will probably be the worst message you have to sit through in your life because I feel so good about it, right? Woohoo! So getting in, and this is why this is a big deal to me, because it's about calling, really. And if I've ever talked to anybody who's bumped into Christianity or involved in any community, you've had questions of calling in your own life, correct? Raise your hand if you've ever wondered, what am I going to do with my life? What am I supposed to do? Like, what's in me for? Very, very common thing, especially in church, for you to establish yourself in a community and then start asking those questions, figuring out what to do is where all of us have different theories, have different ways to do it. And some of us are so frustrated with that process, we just continue doing what we're good at, even if it's not that. We just stay in what provides either identity for us or comfort or what we need to survive. And 
Today's message about Mary bumps in with that and makes us ask questions that if we don't ask them, we'll be at the end of our life looking back saying, what did I do? What did I spend my time on? What did I spend my time on? I got the, the honor to do a funeral last week of a family member. And all I can think is, we're all going to be at a spot where we look back and have to ask the question, did I spend my life on what I needed to spend my life on? Not on things that you're not going to care about, but what I needed to. And with Mary, it makes you ask the question of, is there something that God has put within me that he's calling me forth to say, will you use this to magnify me? And I believe that's true of all of us. I don't think there's a person in this room that there's not something in you, either known or unknown, that God is trying to position to use for his kingdom that will somehow bless you crazily, cost you dearly, but have an impact around you that will be much bigger than you could ever do. And that's what I read when I read Mary. And so there's a quote I want to read you, an author Sarah's really been kind of um, diving into that I've also enjoyed is Fleming Rutledge. And she has, you know, questions on calling. This is a, just a statement. The entire biblical enterprise depends on the premise that God calls people and not just ordained people either, but common people. And that's important because if you know specifically calling related to what you're supposed to do with your life, when the questions come, when the negatives come, when even good people tell you to do differently, you can continue to stand in it. Such an important thing. Or question your calling your entire life and find yourself involved in things you're like, what am I doing? Like, why have I been in this for eight years? Why am I still doing this? What's the purpose of this? When we decided to do this, we looked at each other and made the statement, the next thing we're doing will be the thing we're supposed to do. No matter how long it takes for us to figure that out, we're not jumping into another in the meantime, right? And that's different for everybody. And you have to have some in the meantime. But working towards what God has put in you for him to be magnified by it that's not the call of a pastor. That's the call of a Christian. For your life to when someone looks at you say, I see Jesus more clearly because I'm looking at Caitlin. I've watched Caitlin. I now see Jesus more clearly. To look at you, I, I see Jesus more clearly when I look at you. That's the purpose of your whole life. That's it. Now, the questions of what that looks like can vary from person to person because my calling is not your calling. Elizabeth, for example, in the Bible was called to give birth to John the Baptist. And Mary, her call in the Bible was to give birth to the Messiah. Everybody say, Messiah. Cool. That's cool. That's cooler than I thought it would be. So I'm going to enjoy that for a second. Now, there could have been a moment where Elizabeth was like demanding that Mary have the same calling and we wouldn't have a Savior. There could have been a moment where Mary was like demanding that Elizabeth also give birth to the Messiah and then we'd have two Messiahs and it'd just be weird. There would nobody prepare the way. There'd be nobody prepare the way. Each of us has a different role we play, right? There's so many things I could preach in this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the passage and try and jump in. So if you'll open up your Bible to Luke 1, 39 through 55, very beautiful story. You can bring up this image, Bill. Bill found this image for me. Thank you for doing that. Now, this, this, is, this is a picture of what happens right before this passage where the angel shows up and shares with Mary her lot in life. <laughs> Who in here knows a 13-year-old? Raise your hand. Is that 13-year-old ready to carry the entire future of the human race right now? The one that you know. This puts this in light for us. That this is a, and, and yesterday we were talking in our family about why this happened. The, the average expectancy of a lifespan was around 30 years old. So a lot of us are already dead, right? And this time, just because of things. And so women, the reason they did get married way younger was because you know, like really ripe old age was a 28-year-old. That is a woman in her years, a 28-year-old. And so they got married at 13, and that was not a big deal. But my kids are really close to that, and none of them are ready for anything like that. <laughs> Maybe Noah. Maybe Noah. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, buddy. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I'll hear about that later. So... So this is a picture of when the angel shows up and says the thing that we all know, right? You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world, right? Um, I'm, I'm, I've never been with a man. Don't worry about that. What? I've never been with a man. Angel, don't worry about that. We'd all be worried about that. 
especially in a society where if you were caught to have been pregnant without it being from your husband, you could be killed and stoned on sight, right? Like, there's a lot at risk with her calling specifically, not any less with our callings, but with hers, she's already in danger of losing her life. She's about to lose her reputation for sure. She's about to try and have a conversation with the husband that maybe he'll believe her, maybe he won't. Would you believe it if your wife showed up and said, I'm pregnant, not yours, the Holy Spirit? What kind of conversations would follow that? Right, would you just be good with that? We're good. Would you? This is what's happening here. So this song, we see Mary as submissive. This is called the Magnificat, what comes up later. We see Mary as submissive. She sings a spontaneous, this, this to me, this is what, I can live in this for a minute. She, she sings a spontaneous celebration song, like we all do when our friend tells us something great, right? And her friend sings it back to her. She's so joyous about it. She positions herself to be used by God. She says the biggest yes in history. Let me just read it to you really quick. This is Luke 1, 39-55. Right after the angel shows up and says what's about to happen. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, much older. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a lot that just happened right there, right? Continuing on. And she exclaimed with a loud cry in a song, the song, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? This is Elizabeth singing. Singing it. Not saying it. Singing it. Next. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is, who, is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, and this is her song, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. Still her song. And notice she's not just singing about how happy she is now. The song has transitioned into something different. She's singing about what will happen. Two things that are not what God wants the world to be. This is a 13-year-old singing a prophetic song into injustices happening. This is not just, happy is me, I'm the Lord's. Not, it's not just that. She's literally in an instant of being filled with the Holy Spirit, singing thankfulness and then singing into injustices that he will, he will meet. 13-year-old, crazy. He has brought down the mighty from the thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offering forever. Pray with me really quickly. Lord, we just present this content back to you, and we ask that it would be illuminated like your Holy Spirit can illuminate. Help none of us to be exempt from knowing that as we read this word in community, it comes alive in your spirit. It's not just a text for historical means. This is Jesus. And when we read it, we interact with the living God who is trying to sharpen our hearts and form us into Christ-like beings who magnify him in our worlds. Not in just Mary's world, but in each of our worlds, in our living rooms, in our work sites, in our Christmas encounters, in our cars, at gas stations, at Costco, at Rev Coffee, at Starbucks, at the line for buying gifts. God, you've sent us into the world. Help us to know that as we read this word, it's for us to be sharpened inwardly together, to be sent outwardly together to take this to the world. Let it move us like that. I just pray for any person who reads scripture and wants to run from it. Help us to be reminded this is the living hope that we are interacting with our Savior who is not angry with us right now, who is drawing us and wooing us into the kind of relationship we have always longed for, but never been to put our finger on. 
Help us to see that it's only found in you, Jesus, not outside of you, that in you we have life and life everlasting and life abundantly. We thank you for that, in Jesus' name. I wanna share with you in calling some of the things, some of the gifts that Mary gave us in calling. And the first was, while you might not have an angel that visits you, God the Father through the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, each of you. The first gift she gives us, and I think Bill has put these up, if you can pull these up. She listens and believes. That presumes that with your life, you're not making decisions and then bringing them back to God to restore. I did this, but can you make it? It's this idea that the very first thing you do is you sit and you wait and you listen. And until that happens, don't move. Don't put your everything into something. Don't demand the thing. Listen and believe she did that. Second thing she does, she visits a spiritual friend. Everybody say spiritual friend. Sounds creepy. It sounds creepy when you say it. When somebody tells me about their spiritual friend, I'm like, is he person actually exists or is somebody that's here with us now? Is it here with you? Is your friend with you? Spiritual friend. We do not have enough of this. And I'm not blaming any of you. Where do we go to get our advice? We typically go to who we know will tell us what we want to hear. That's typically what, that's what I do. I know the person who will tell me the content that will help me get what I want done. Because I'm an Enneagram 3 and I like to achieve things and accomplish things and I like to do it quickly. And if your information for me is going to slow me down in that process, I'm just going to avoid you. And I'm going to find another three. So where's Jordan? I'm going to call him and be like, you think I should do this? You should absolutely do this. We should do it together now. I'll meet you now. Let's do this. We typically go to who we want. A spiritual friend is someone, this, a spiritual friend is someone who when you show up, the thing that the Holy Spirit has put inside of them is now interacting with the thing that the Holy Spirit has put inside of you. And it's a whole different conversation. It's the Spirit of God in your friend and what they're called to do interacting with the Spirit of God in you and what you're called to do, and different things come about. That's why the babies leapt in the womb. The things that God had put within them began to interact with one another. Questions of calling, if you want your questions of calling to be refined and move towards what will actually benefit the world and not just you, find someone who is going after it just like you and listen, and sing a song together initially, like the first thing, show up and sing together. Just sing it to them. I've been looking for a friend. You're my friend. I want to pray with you. It'd be awful, right? It'd be awful. That's okay. A spiritual friend. Do you have a spiritual friend? There's like a hundred in this room, Elizabeth's and Mary's, waiting and longing for someone who can have that deeper conversation about things that actually matter. I can talk all day about fantasy football. I can talk all day about recruiting for Alabama, which is the dumbest thing in the world. I, I check it every night. It is the dumbest thing in the world. I don't know why. I can tell you who the Braves might possibly get today. I can tell you all the up already. I'm, I just woke up. I don't even know how I know that. I can tell you about the music I love because I do love music. I've really been into, and I'm scared to say this, Fleetwood Mac has been like, I can't. So for the past week, I've been on a Fleetwood Mac kick, and every song is good. In the long run, it doesn't matter. And I love it. And I'm not trying to say you shouldn't. I, I, like, I like Fleetwood Mac. But I'm saying it's different when I sit in front of someone who I can have a conversation about the things that matter eternally, that God has put within with them and within me, because all of us have it. And something, whoever has found a friend like this, when you have those kind of conversations, there's something in you that leaps differently than any other conversation can provide. Because it means something. And it means something not just for you, but for the people around you. Because the callings that God has given communities are not to make us great people. If you want to talk about the blessings of Mary, who sang a song with joy that we read, is the same Mary that will in 34 years stand in front of a cross where this Jesus that she sings a song about is now being killed by man. It's the same Mary. And the things within us point to something bigger than what can be produced for us. Because a lot of us would stand in front of that version of Mary and say, that's not God, because God only blesses. You're the head and not the tail. God wouldn't do that to you. 
God would do it only if it benefited the world like something like Jesus would. And each of us has a desire with our own callings to monopolize them and make them about us. And each of us has a gift to be able to present our callings for the benefit of magnifying Christ. Because when people look at gifted people and all of us are gifted, they either see the gifted person or Jesus. And if you do it in the way of the Holy Spirit, they will see Jesus and they will want Jesus. If you do it in your way, they're gonna end up not wanting you or your Jesus. Because none of us are gifted like Jesus. None of us are Jesus right? We can all be Christ-like. That's so good to me. So she listens. She finds a spiritual friend and calling and has the deeper conversation. And she lives, with the, she lives with Elizabeth for three months. She stays there for three months. She's not like in and out. All right, now that I know Jesus is coming and I get to do this, I'm getting it done. I'm going to go do this now. If she would have given birth at that point, there'd be no baby, which leads me into the next thing she does for us. And this may be the biggest gift that we need to read as Americans, for sure. She treasures the gift enough to foster it. There's a season of nine months where nobody even sees the gift. She's feeding for two. She's taking in for two. Nobody's seen Jesus. Nobody knows about Jesus. She's going at such a pace that this has to grow. Millennial Christian. God might have called you, but that doesn't mean that you're supposed to do it all right now. It's fostering, it's caring for. She doesn't even see the fruit of the purpose of his call for 34 years without TV to like kill time. It's just her talking and sing. I guess that's why they sang to each other. It's like, we don't have Netflix, we're gonna sing together again. So please, millennial Christian is is such a gift because they're making the church ask questions we haven't had to answer. Because the generation before is like, we're just going to do this, and nobody cares, and we don't have to ask questions. Why? Let's just do this. (laughs) And they're like, why are we doing this? And we're like, shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need you. We definitely need you, but you need us too. You need to know that if you have a calling, say, for instance, to preach, that doesn't mean that you show up at a church next week and demand the mic to preach. It means you go learn, you go ingest, you go grow, you exhibit fruit, you love people well, do the things that really matter. You can preach, if I preach the best sermon every week, but I was like a huge jerk, and maybe to some of you I am, I'm sorry if that's ever happened. I don't want to be, I promise. It wouldn't matter what I say. Maybe God's gifted you to be a worship leader, or the head of a prayer ministry, or to be a novelist, or to be a balloonist, or to be a somethingist. It takes time to foster the things, and, and you want it to. You, want, you don't want to give birth before you're supposed to, especially to a calling, because damage will happen. She was able to say, I'm so excited about this, but I'm willing to wait for it to happen the right way and foster it so they can grow in the right way. There's 30 years with Jesus. He's not doing anything fantastic. And she's probably like, all of us are like, you sure? She's probably like, I remember that. I think the angel came and spoke to me. And I had a song I sang with my friend Elizabeth, who's much older. But this homeboy is carving stuff with wood right now. He's literally making pallet signs for churches. What's going on? And even when it started happening, the vision and the call didn't look like she would have wanted. People didn't like her son. Right? Foster, listen, trust. The next thing is, She has a spirit of joy about her calling that's spontaneous. And I say that because specifically, we have a lot of stress about what we're supposed to do. It's almost like, kind of like, this is cool, right? I'm going to sing my songs. I'm going to enjoy what's happening. I believe what the angel said, but the pressure's really not on me with the calling. I foster it. I let it grow. I, I trust in God. But there's a lightness to it, right? So this goes to the person, if you're like me when I started in Christianity, that everything I never want to do for Christ is is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't want to do that, so it must be the thing I'm supposed to do. That might be true at some point, like for her to let her son go to her cross. But the first part of that, it was exciting to her. This is exciting. Like, you see it in her song, spontaneously erupting. She's excited about what God wants to do to her. Your vision of what God has put in you can't be motivated by fear can't be I have to do this or God's going to hate me. Or if I don't, I know he wants me to do this because I don't want to do it and I hate it. 
that can't be the motivation for a calling. It can't be the motivation for what God put in you for the world. If there's not joy connected to it, if there's not spontaneity connected to it, if there's not this is so worth waiting for connected to it, nobody's going to want it anyway. Nobody's going to see the Jesus that comes this way, that shows up in hilarity to a 13-year-old girl who doesn't have a husband that has given her a baby and creates just kind of a, a silly situation. They actually created a feast called the Feast of Fools to commemorate Mary that they celebrated all throughout history. And they would all take the leaders of the church and of the government and they would have to act like the people who were the poorest and they would take all the poor people and dress them up like all the richest people and all the priests and stuff. And they would do like dances and stuff. And like, they call it the Feast of Fools to commemorate. Why would God come this way? This is ridiculous. Not as a mocking, but to remind us that we can be too serious. There's hilarity involved in it. There's joy involved in it. There's spontaneous songs happening. I sing spontaneous songs in the shower, right, Noah? Don't say the, wor- we, the words we say. <laughs> Got it? Don't, y'all didn't hear that, okay? We sing songs that maybe we, we wouldn't sing here. I always create songs. I created a song last night. And it does bring me joy. Like there's something about just singing with your kids where you're like goofy and there's a part of calling, even with Mary, the mother of Jesus, where she's not too serious about it. And I'll say this lastly, there's humility. Why would you choose, how could, how could he choose me? We were watching a movie that I recommend you watch as a family. Um, it's the story of um, the nativity story. Thank you, sir. What's your name? This one's gifted, guys. I see in you a future. I'm just kidding. So the nativity story, and one of the lines that Mary says, and I, I love the relationship between Mary and Joseph in this. I think it's very like real and raw, but one, when she sees the three wise men and they're talking about this baby, she looks and says to them, this is a gift for all men. As a 13-year-old talking about her child, this is a gift for all men pointing to, this is not about what I can become because of this. This, this calling, this thing you've given me, is not about what, what I can become because of this. Because she could have capitalized on this. She decided not to. And we get the same choice. We can recognize and realize and find our spiritual friend and be happy about what we know God's gifted us to do. And then we get the choice. Will we make that about us? Or will we be humble enough to make it about how that can impact the people around us. It's two different things, and it comes out two different ways. If it's the first, you demand that the community around you see your gift and use your gift. If it's the second, your gift is used wherever it's available. It doesn't matter. The gas station, singing over your kids at night, with your wife, with your husband. It's around your family members you're around to, about to be in. It's not, it's not about what's payable. It's not about pay me for my gift. It's about... God has gifted you, each of you, with something that he's trying to pull out of you to bring glory to him, and it will benefit you, but that'll be because it benefits him. And he wants us to find those things. And it's in each of us, I really believe it. Mary's life allowed people to see God clearer, brought him into focus, and magnified. This is called the Magnificat. Who who knew that this was called that? Okay, so I love that language because with a magnifying glass, right, you can see clearer. And as Christians, when we start talking about living out of this, a couple of things are really important. One is transparency and honesty. And the second part of this song, I just have to touch this for a second, is she starts to label the things that this child would do. And it's not language of love. It's really like a battle cry. Like the reason the world needs a savior is because these things are happening and have happened And this Savior comes to do those things. If we want to talk about calling, if you want to talk about the prophetic speaking into futures, you're going to talk about injustices. Prophetic people, especially in the Old Testament, they lived their lives to tell people what God would do, what God was about to do, and the things that needed to happen to the things keeping that from happening. So there's a prophetic way to do this. Clear and transparent. We have to be able to say no to the things that God lets us see. So if God has called you, which he has, and if he's put something within you, which he has, what is it going to bump into? So while Mary says yes, it's, I think it's the most emphatic yes in the Bible, 
He also says no as strongly as yes. He says no to things that need to be said no to. And her life has an impact because she does this much bigger than anything he could have ever done on her own. So really quickly, I'm going to close with this. This gospel story is for you just in that Jesus is for you. And this happened for you to receive life in him. This gospel story is also for you because he's asking us to ask the question, please look at me when I ask this. Does your life as it exists now show people a clearer picture of Jesus? Does the life, not that you talk about living or that you want people to know you care about, does the life that you live day to day, does it show people a clearer picture of Jesus? That's a question we have to wrestle with as we go into Christmas. And if you can bring this PowerPoint back up with the spiritual friend, with all the things that Mary does. I felt like I was supposed to present this to you and something is supposed to jump out to you. I don't want you to speak to me during service right now. That would just confuse me. With your life and what God is asking from you, these are, these are like five of the clearest things that could be connectors to Jesus that I've ever seen as I've read scriptures. And here's my question. Are you listening enough to know? Is that, that's the start. Are you even wanting to listen to what Jesus says about what you do with your life? Is that something you desire? If you don't desire that, you get to do what you want to do. You'll continue to do what you want to do. And that's, that's you. Do you believe when he speaks about you? When I say the phrase, God has gifted you with something that will benefit those around you, do you even believe that? If you don't, this is not a self-hate session. It's an interact session. That's a, that's a prayer point if you don't believe that. I don't believe that, and I need to... Let somebody speak into that. Do you have a spiritual friend who can speak into the depths of what God is trying to do? Or does no one know you like that? Is there, a, is there no person that knows the actual deep things happening? Do you not even know how to start that conversation? Can you not even pinpoint somebody? There are people in this room. There are Mary's over here and Elizabeth's over here who have callings connected that need to have conversations and they're just sitting on a back burner because you're making enough money to get by. You're not, your life's not in any danger. You're paying your bills. But you're not living what you know you should be living. You're not living from the deeper place of the things God has called you into to have a much bigger impact than you could. Spiritual friendship. Spontaneous joy and lightness about calling. I just want to be able to point to five people that I know that are doing this. That they know those two first things so well that there's lightness and joy and they can articulate this is what God has called me to do. And I'm excited about it. I'm not demanding that you do my calling, but I'm, I'm like so pumped about what God's doing that I'm like writing songs about it spontaneously. And if anybody could do that this week, you can post it on the prayer wall. Treasuring and fostering the gift. Please look at me again. Are you willing, if God says, I've called you to do this, to take 30 years for it to come to fruition? Or are you like, I'm dipping out. I'm dipping out, dude. There's a quicker return over here. 30 years is a long time. What if you don't see the fruit of what he's asking you to do until the end of your life? Is it worth the process of sitting with someone for three months and going through childbirth and living not knowing if this Jesus truly is because he's just making stuff out of wood? He's still making stuff out of wood, Joseph. Are you willing to go through all those or did you dip out in one of those? Were you at like one of those spots and you're like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not in this. I'm over here. I'm dealing with this and this is providing fine for me. The last thing is, if all of these things are clicking, if there's no humility, revisit one, two, three, and four. If there's no humility and you're demanding that people see your gift, you're not even living what you're supposed to live. Back up. Listen. Humility is the sign that God is letting you walk in your gift. It's not pride. It's not demanding. It's not taking that mountain it's having a battle cry for the, those in injustice, not a battle cry so that you can develop a platform about you about injustice. Two different things, right? We have way too many sidewalk prophets right now who hate a certain thing because they now have a platform to hate something. We don't have enough people who would be completely invisible 
to attack the same things. That's calling. If I want to be a preacher, I better be able to do these things with them. And I don't just sit them down in their room and I'm like, one, two, three, four. I better be able to say the content of this to my family. If you're a worship leader, you better not think that this is the only place that you worship because that is not true. Your worship comes out of what happens with you and God. It spills into this place. So many questions. I don't know whenever I think of calling, I always have that Coldplay song, Questions of Science, Science and Progress. Anybody know that song? Questions of Calling. No? Goof, super goofy. It is, but that's always, that song comes to my head. But, but I want... I want today, if you guys could stand with me, I want to pray over you. If you'll just close your eyes with me. Father, we we want to present ourselves, our bodies, as living sacrifices to you. We would love it, Jesus, if you could just shine light on what you're asking us to do with our lives. Highlight even the gifts you've put within us for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would show us the people in our lives that we need to have deeper conversations with. Stop running from deepness. For some of us, you're asking us to get off of Facebook and have conversations with people that matter. Highlight a spiritual friend. And I'm just going to pray that, that in your mind's eye right now, he would highlight a friend that you could have these conversations with, the depths of your heart talking with the depths of their heart, and you getting a clear picture of calling instead of a clear picture of your destiny, of God's story. God, I pray for spontaneous joy and lightness to be a marking symbol of our church and the churches in Smyrna. That there would be life, that you walk into these places, this one and Vining's Church and Square Church and Cumberland Church, and as people walk in these churches, there's noticeably life. It just feels like we're having conversations about things that matter and deepness, and and I can be known, and, and these people love, and we can be transparent and clear. I pray for the churches right now that are experiencing kind of a religious staleness of just continuing to do the same thing over and over, that you would bring life, God, in whatever way is real to those communities. Help our church to be marked by life and spontaneity and joy and childlike faith. Help those of us who struggle to believe when you do speak to believe. Let there be no self-hate involved or self-criticism. Just replace it with faith, childlike faith. God, when you begin to show these things, help us to teach our kids how to foster the gifts within us and to not demand that we be seen or know how to label the things we hate in leadership. Help us to be people who will go the long haul with developing calling, like Mary did. And God, more than anything, we ask that we would be humble as you show us, that we would be a humble people who love people well before they deserve it, who speak into people's callings before they know it, who offer forgiveness when people don't even understand the language, who are present with people that other Christians won't be present with, who will love people who are unlovable, who when Facebook decides to demonize somebody because of fear, we step up and say, no, that's not right, that's not Jesus, we love. Help us to be the community that goes before it's popular. Help us to be like John the Baptist, God, to prepare the way for our community to receive the Jesus Messiah who has come into the world not to hate it, but to love it. If the prayer teams could come forward. If there's anything in these five that you need to interact with today, let someone pray with you. If you do not desire to come up here, I'll come to you, find me. We'll pray in in the back somewhere. Father, I pray that we would end this service well, connecting with you and connecting with, with each other. Help us to be present with you as you are present with us. So there's a, there's a few people in this room that are kind of just residual, but that needs a deeper prayer. And you didn't come up, but I feel like we're supposed to pray for you. If that happens to be you, um, I would love to pray with you. Uh, and this, hope this isn't uncomfortable for you. This is care. 
But if it's you, can we surround you? Is that anybody in this room that knows they need deeper prayer? Who we have right here? Shane over here. People who love Jesus, can you just surround these people to pray? Anybody else? This is just loving communal prayer. Nothing, nothing crazy about it. It's just people reaching out to Jesus for you. Come over here to, um, right here. I won't say your name, but right there. Anyone else? Jasmine? Okay, so we're going to split teams. We need a team Jasmine. I can just, yeah, you transition back and forth. All right, so Father, this is a sacred space. This is your community. I sense that you want to do a deeper work because you love people. Help people to step in and intercede because we love people. I pray for such genuine praying to happen right now. I just want to speak over you as they pray. God's trying to lift your burden. He's trying to give you the weight that you're supposed to carry, not the one that you've been carrying. There's been one that's been motivated by fear. That's not from God. There's one that he's replacing it with that's motivated by peace and faith that has a drive for that stuff, has a drive for peace and faith on a bed of joy. And Father, we ask that as we pray for these people that we love in our community, that we see and sense transition happening, that we see and sense you working, even right now, the things that can only happen with you, right now as we pray, we pray over them. We pray for protection over them. We pray for hope. We pray for restoration. We pray for a renewed vision in life. We pray that they would understand you as a loving savior, not as an angry enemy. God, motivate the people praying right now to pray with boldness and love. Motivate the people praying to love one another deeply and to spur one another on. Motivate the people praying to be spiritual friends, to pray into the things you've put in the hearts of the people we're praying for. Motivate the people right now who are praying to pray with care and love. Help them to slow even their prayers down right now enough to say, Father, I want to pray like you want me to pray. I'll listen, I'll intercede. Just continue to pray for one another. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.